The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, it's the dead time of year for college football, but we are giving everybody exactly what they want, and that's another quick hitter edition of the Punt and Pass Podcast. A lot to talk about. We're going to touch on each of these topics in today's show. A very polarizing decision. Yesterday afternoon in the NFL, we're going to talk about that Steelers-Patriots game. Was it a catch? Was it not a catch? Early signing day, the first one ever for college football is this Wednesday. We're going to talk about that. Natrez Patrick is all the talk much for much reasons, many reasons, but I think it's because we don't have much to talk about. And then we're going to get to those fan questions, Aaron. We're going to talk and holler at our fans and listeners. Let's get right to it. The show, our Twitter handle and our Instagram handle is at Punt and Pass. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. I am at Drew Butler 13. And dude, Aaron, how about that bowl pick'em league we set up? Over 250 entries. Exciting times. Exciting times. A couple people picked five out of six games right so far. Nobody's 100%. How many did you get right? I think I'm up there in the five for six right now. Oh, are so, you really? Yeah. Dang. It's a good weekend for your boy. What's your, we, do we, we need we need a little side bet. I think we need something. I remember our previous one. You paid for Sharon and I to go a nice little movie date yes, night. Yes. So I think I think we should do it again. I win. We get a date night. You win. You and your beautiful wife. Okay. Or maybe I'll get you like a little baby, like a diaper bag or something, <laughs> since you guys are due soon. Something like to do it. with the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like that. We are betting dinner for a date night on. You versus me in the bowl pick em. We'll see how it goes. I think I got three right, so I'm, I'm down. But the winners right now, DHM wins is five for six. Big Dog Fan 66. I think that's you, Aaron. NB 92. Brandon Bauer. Duels 4D. They all went five of six, so big props to them. All right, dude, let's talk about this Steelers-Patriots game yesterday. It was one versus two in the AFC in Heinz Field. The Steelers won the game. They were going to be the number one seed going into the playoffs and have home field advantage, which is extremely important for them because they don't seem to play really well in New England, especially during the playoffs. But, dude, Jesse James, the Steelers tight end, gets a catch over the middle with like 20 seconds left in the game. It seems like he secures the ball. He reaches past the goal line, and I saw it and go, that is not a catch because he did not maintain possession through 
the ground. That was literally teach tape for referees to say, here's what you have to do, here's what you can't do. Jesse James did what you can't do, and the refs got it right. It was not a catch. I'm sorry. It was not a catch. Well, I agree with you that it's not a catch by what what the rules are are in the play in the book in the rule book and what it says. But I just I don't agree with the rule. I've seen it too many times from Des Bryant with the Cowboys, the one that really started off three yes. years ago, kind of got the rule made, and then obviously the one last night, and it really just throws things in a loop. You're talking about two of the best teams in the NFL, if not the two best teams in the NFL, going at it, trying to get not only home field advantage throughout the first couple games, but that big game when they do eventually play each other uh, before the Super Bowl, it's just, I, I think it, the rule needs to be changed. It's just so tough. That but to what? A guy, a guy makes a catch. It's clearly a catch. In my opinion, I think everyone's watching the game. He clearly has possession. He turns, his knee hits the ground. He makes a movement to cross the pylon. The ball crosses. So technically it's a touchdown, but then he fumbles it as soon as it hits the ground. Exactly. The rule, I'm agreeing that if you're going by the rules, it's not a catch. The refs made the right decision when they went back and looked at it. I just don't agree with what the rule is. At the end of the day, I think they need to go back, scrap it, leave it up to reps to make uh, the ref to make a decision based on this is what we're seeing. It clearly was a catch. It clearly was a football move. His knee was down, and it should have been a touchdown, and, and the Steelers should have won the game. Then they're in control of having the home field advantage of the playoffs. Yeah, which is absolutely huge. I mean, it's crazy that that game lived up to the billing. Everybody was pumping it up as one of the best NFL games of the season, and it delivered in that sense. But you know what's a crazy thing to think about, Aaron, regarding that catch or no catch? If that was in college or high school, it's a catch because he had control and his knee hit the ground. So the play's done right there. But since in the NFL, you don't have to, you have to be touched to be down, not like college and high school. He goes to the ground, extends the ball. You know, he reached it over the goal line. But again, you have to maintain possession through the ground. Derek Carr did the same exact thing in the Sunday night game where he extended and lost control of the ball. I mean, I know his was a fumble. But you have to maintain possession through the ground while you cross the goal line. So it's do you wild. Think, it's wild. Do you that think, think coaches are going to start teaching nowadays that I don't know how you teach it because it is reaction and you're going for a touchdown. But to be able to put it in the because we've seen it way too many times. Yeah. Players, when you're in that situation, when you're going down, not to extend the ball, just go down the one. I don't know what to say because it is such a crazy rule. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, you want these guys to do whatever they can to get in the end zone. And, and I just think it hinders that where guys are just going to be playing it safe and then they're just going to go down. For sure. I mean, I don't think you can necessarily blame Jesse James. I mean, he made no. an effort. It's not like he didn't catch the ball in the sense of, you know, like it hitting him in the hands and then he drops it. He made an effort because he wanted to score a touchdown. I, I like your question. Do you start teaching guys like, hey, just get down on the ground and let's see another play? Um, I... I don't know, but it, it's just wild that that game came down to that decision. And then, you know, they get down there. Ben does the – I don't think it was a fake spike, but he was yelling clock, 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 and then he threw it into the end zone. It gets deflected and intercepted, and Patriots win the game. So uh, I, I'm i just very interested to see how that plays out later on the season because what it looks like, they are the cream of the crop in the AFC, and they're probably going to get a rematch most likely in – Foxborough so yeah those two teams right now I know we don't touch a lot about NFL football but not only just in in the AFC but in the NFL 
total AFC NFC. I mean, those two teams right now by far playing the best. Yeah. Patriots are in this season. I tell you what, they've completely changed defensively, which was kind of astonishing because they went and made some big free agent pickups in the off season. You thought they'd be playing a little bit better. Maybe just took some time for those guys to sink in together playing uh, just better on better on defense, better in total. And obviously when you got Tom Brady back there, uh, the guy just defies age. It's unbelievable what he's doing. So they'll get another rematch. It'll be in Foxborough and there'll be some fun. It'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah, uh, I agree. NFL playoffs are going to be really good this year. The NFC, I think, is way better than the AFC right now. I mean, they've got four teams who seem like legitimate Super Bowl contenders. The Vikings, the Eagles, even without... Carson Wentz, the St. Louis, the Los Angeles Rams, dude. I mean, just whooping the Seahawks ass. Yeah, it's crazy. The Rams, I mean, they got a great defense, which they've had in the past couple of years. They've been a team that has been able to stay in games because of defense. And all of a sudden you go this offseason, they get some big time uh, guys through trades with at the receiving position. They got a great tight end. Obviously, Todd had a phenomenal game. And then Jared Goff really stepping up this second season, becoming more accurate. I think with a new head coach McVay in there, a little bit more offensive minded, yeah, opening the playbook a little bit more. Uh, I think he has just done a tremendous job from year one to year two. Because looking at him last year, you're like, man, is this kid going to be a bust? That was the big discussion this entire offseason. The NFL, can he turn it around? Can he be? Uh, a kind of a Carson Wentz, what Carson Wentz did last year, his rookie year for Philadelphia. And he's been way more than I think anyone was expecting. But like I said, they added a lot of help for him at the receiving position with guys like Sammy Watkins, Higby at tight ends done a tremendous job. And they added some offense linemen as well. So they're a dangerous team. Like you said, those four top teams, uh, each at top of their division, the NFC are tough. And then look at the Carolina Panthers yesterday know, being on the Packers. I mean, they're a great team as well. Uh, I tell you what, the Falcons have a must-win tonight versus I don't, the Buccaneers. Hey, hey I know you're a win. Tampa guy. I think the Bucks beat the Falcons tonight. I do. No, I, 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 I don't I really think so. Do. I think the. I just don't think that the Buccaneers are. I don't think they're disciplined. I don't think they're. They have the energy, the passion right now. I think their their season's just gone do- downhill from from day one, and it just don't. They really don't have great leadership at all at any no. position. So that's why I think the Falcons they have a lot more there to play for. I don't think the Bucks have anything to play for. I think Atlanta sees, hey, we got to keep up with these. They have to. The Detroit's. Dallas had a big win last night. Detroit had the big win the other day. Obviously, Carolina's 10-4 right now. So Atlanta needs to, they need that second spot because uh, their the chances of them winning their division are slim. I, I, I'm very bearish on the Falcons. They should have lost to the Bears. They should have lost to the Lions. They should have lost to the Seahawks. And when I say should have, I mean, obviously, should have, could have, would have, but like referee decisions cause some of the outcomes of those games. I do not think the Falcons are that good. And I think no, I completely agree tonight. with you. I think yes. they lose tonight a away game Monday night football bucks have nothing to lose. Those guys are simply playing for their jobs at this point, right? New head coach, maybe at the end of the season, new GM, maybe at the end of the season, you got to put good stuff on tape. I think a couple turnovers happen. The crowd gets into it. And I, I like the Buccaneers tonight. I don't. So I, we'll, we'll I, I talk like, about it I like the Falcons. I like the Falcons, but I think you look at the rest of the, the rest of their schedule, the rest of the season at New Orleans. Yes. And uh, the they Carolina. have to go there yep. and then Carolina at home though. So that's going to be, I think that game right there can determine maybe who gets that spot, uh, extra spot in the playoffs. They will be lucky 
if care if Carolina already clinches a spot in the playoffs, say they're in, they're yep. good to go. I agree. They're playing their backups for that last game of the season. They have the fifth seed. Then you obviously the Falcons, you give them a huge advantage to that one. So they win two out of three, say they win tonight versus the Bucks and then win versus the Panthers if they're resting their starters. Uh, they should be in, but it'll be exciting. The NFC is definitely a lot more exciting to look at. Uh, like we said, the AFC right now, really just two top teams. Uh, everyone else is kind of, uh, I mean, my chiefs are playing well beginning of the season on fire. Then they kind of just went oh downhill pretty God. fast. They're but, so inconsistent. I mean, we always talk about their division. I mean, last oh. year, probably the best division in football. You got the Raiders, you got the chiefs, you have Denver, San Diego is always a good team. They play teams very tight. Yeah. And this year, I tell you what, the Broncos have just been. Oh, they're terrible. They don't have a quarterback. Just terrible. Have they yeah, called no you? No, we'll see if they give the big guy a chance to play these next two games. Paxton or Brock? Yeah, give Paxton a chance to play and see what he has. I mean, they they spent a first-round pick on him, so let's see what he, ha- let's yeah, see what he can do. Yeah, battling some injuries, so we'll see if he gets in there. I could talk NFL football all day, but let's move on to the next topic. Early signing day is Wednesday. First one ever in college football. You and I were texting earlier today. I was under the assumption that you can sign a letter of intent in December Okay, if you're not enrolling early in school and you don't sign your financial aid papers, I thought you could switch in February, Aaron. I did. I did a little research. I reached out to our guy, Roddy Nabolsi at UGASports.com, and I asked him, I said, is that the case? He said no. From what he knows, which is a lot more than me, this is just like February. This is just like National Signing Day in February, and if they do sign that national letter of intent, they would have to be released from that letter of intent. So it's pretty binding. It's not 100% binding, but it is pretty binding. And I've said in past episodes on the podcast, Aaron, I think you may or may not be in the same boat as me, but I'm not really big into recruiting. I don't follow it that much. But what Georgia has done, and really across the entire SEC, when you're getting four and five stars left and right, left and right, you can't help but pay attention to it. You sent me this. This is a list of Georgia's commits and targets and the, who's signing on Wednesday? Four star, five star, four star, five star, five star, five star, five star, five star, five star, four star, four star. Justin Fields being one of them. Cade Mays, that tackle from up in Tennessee, is one of them. Looking good on the home front for the dogs. Uh, you think Fields signs with Georgia, huh? Yeah, I think it's a done deal. His uh, is funny. He put a little post out earlier. I think it was yesterday or today, saying I'm 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 signing my letter of intent. Uh, on the 20th, but he didn't say to who. So I don't know if he purposely did it to kind of keep everyone on edge a little bit, make sure everyone tunes in to kind of make sure to watch him. Yeah. The TV ratings. (laughs) He wants to, he wants to get the viewership up. I can't, I can't fault the man at that, but he definitely left some, uh, some curious fans out there wondering if he will decommit and go somewhere else. Uh, I think he's, I think he's so, I think he's sold. He's a Georgia kid born and raised not too far away. Um, I think he's a kid that he loves the competition. He's excited to get in there, show these coaches that he is better than what, what Georgia has now, which I think is going to be a tall, especially when Easton stays, (laughs) but it's, it's just another huge, huge day. But I, I just, I don't know if I like this, this December signing. Why not? And it, mostly for these coaches, because you want to talk about these coaches trying to, obviously the season's over with, and then all of a sudden you have, if you do make your, your conference championship, then all of a sudden these other coaches have another week to kind of start recruiting, getting out there. And then when bowls start going, I mean, we had a bunch of games this past weekend 
these coaches are preparing for bowl games. So now they can't go out there and recruit. So yeah. now they're at a disadvantage. It, it just really is not fair across the board for coaches to have three, four weeks, three weeks really after the season to try to get in front of as many recruits as they can before the signing day. When one, they're trying to prepare for bowl games. Yep. Uh, they're dealing with other stuff as well. So it, it's just a lot on these coaches plates. Um, so I think that's a big, big negative, And I've seen, I've heard a lot of complaints uh, from that side of it. Interesting. I have not heard those complaints, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're losing time. If you're still playing football, you're almost getting penalized for good play. So interesting. Obviously yeah, I think if play. coaches, I think if coaches get the recruits they want and they'll love it, but if they don't, then they have an excuse to fall back on. Yeah. I, I just go back to these guys playing bowl games this past weekend. You know, how are you supposed to prepare for a week of bowl practice? For sure. At away, you're not at home. You know, you have to do all that while recruiting too, and, you, and you're not able to make those last minute visits to these kids that are going to be recruiting. It just, it's, it's crazy. I'm sure they'll go, they'll look back at it after this initial signing. Uh, they'll get some feedback from coaches, from players, from ads, and kind of figure it out. Is this the best way forward? Do we want to maybe push it back to say? you know, January one yeah. and then February one, you know, do it like that. So some of these coaches have all of December to get out there, recruit, make it a little bit more equal for everyone. And also give these, these kids time to go and make their visits. I mean, it's tough. These kids are playing football in high school until December, yep. especially if they're and good, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah especially if they're good. And then all of a sudden now they only get two or three really official visits to go out there and see these schools, meet these coaches, check out the campuses instead of giving them time in January, maybe February to go out there, really understand what they're committing to, whether it's coaches, players, uh, and then also coaches are going to continue to change. Who knows what's going to happen after the bowl games? Maybe some coaches get fired. Sure. Things start moving around even more. Uh, now all of a sudden you have kids that committed and signed their letter of intent and like, Oh man, my coach just got fired or they hired someone that I didn't like. Uh, there's just a lot of problems that I'm just, I'm not a big fan of it. Okay. You think Justin Fields is going to wear a suit when he commits or like, will he be wearing like a Jersey or something? What do you think? I think he'll wear a suit. I think he, <laughs> he's going to, as long, maybe he'll pull out a little, uh, Isaiah Crowell pull a little bulldog out or something. <laughs> Which, what did you wear on your big day? I think I just wore like a button down with a with a tie. I like yeah, that. yeah, classy. Nice but classy. you know what? If Justin Fields is wearing a suit, he better be rocking sock fancy socks. That's right. Sockfancy.com was started by a Georgia graduate, and now is the time. The holidays are here. Get your ass in gear. Christmas is seven days away. Start shopping now and cross off your wish list with the perfect gift. Gift a Sock Fancy subscription three months, six months, nine months, or even a year long, and Sock Fancy handles the rest. Shipping is free. Shipping is worldwide. And if you go to SockFancy.com slash PuntPass and enter the code PuntPass at checkout, you will get an extra pair of socks added to any subscription for free. That's right, Aaron, for free. Sockfancy.com slash puntpass. Enter the promo code puntpass at checkout, and you will get a free pair of socks added to your subscription. One more time, Aaron. Sockfancy.com slash puntpass. Promo code puntpass at checkout for your free pair of socks added to any subscription. It's pretty sweet. I know I ordered some for Christmas. Christmas, seven days away. Seven days away. That's crazy. Hey, dude, another topic which has just been extremely polarizing right now, Natrez Patrick. If you remember, 
right after the SEC championship game, and when I mean right after, hours after, in Athens, him and Jason Stanley got pulled over on the side of the road, boom, arrested, driving while intoxicated, I think, of weed. The, the, the officer smelled weed, arrested him. Natrez got hit with a possession charge. His boy Jason Stanley bailed him out and said, dude, it's not his, it's mine, this is my car. A picture comes out of the amount of weed there. It was smaller than a penny, absolutely laughable. But this is Natrez's third offense, Aaron. It's the third time he's gotten in trouble. So obviously, he's got a little issue there. Um, wish the best for him and his future decision-making. But here is the caveat. He was in violation of his probation, okay? Changes to the Georgia Student Handbook, changes that were made in September, say punishment is given after the court settles the case, right? It used to be if there was an accusation, boom, the violation policy kicks in. Natrez's hearing is after the Rose Bowl. So Kirby Smart comes out and says, um... Hey, dude, not my problem. Like, this is a legal matter. It's confidential. Kirby's not making the decision, right, Aaron? Kirby's not making the decision. The policy will make the decision for him. And timing-wise, it looks like Natrez is going to play in the Rose Bowl. Is it a loophole? It may be, but they exposed it probably to their benefit. And uh, we'll see what Natrez's future holds for him when the court settles the case. Yeah, there's nothing Kirby can do. Obviously, I mean, it it, it kind of worked out to their benefit exactly. with with what's going on. I mean, his, his hands are tied. He can't do anything until the decision's made. And obviously, it's right after the bowls game, bowl game, uh, the Rose Bowl. So we'll see what they do if they if Georgia does win the game and and a ruling comes out and they have to make a decision before the national championship. But uh, at this point. Let the kid keep practicing. Let the kid yeah, play, and, I mean, and let's see what happens. Hopefully, he goes out there and and takes advantage of this opportunity and has a great game, and uh, kind of just doesn't let it have any distraction for him for the team. Because I'm sure when they get out there, uh, I think they're getting out there on the 26th of this month to have that week of practice. I'm sure there's going to be media left and right. There's going to be questions asked uh, to Kirby, to other players on the team. What do they think about the decision? Do they agree with it? Do they not disagree with it? And I'm sure. Everyone's going to have one generic answer, you know, Kirby and those guys. Yeah. And they're going to say, hey, when you get asked, this is your response. And you better not say anything other than that and move on. So Pretty much. it is a minor distraction, but I'm sure Kirby will have those guys completely focus with their answer and on that bowl game as well. Yeah, I just, you know, the talking points of, oh, Georgia's totally changed now and they're manipulating the situation and, you know, this is ridiculous. This is his third violation. The key here is he was in violation of his probation. A violation of his probation is not a violation of the Georgia Athletic Association. So, again, there's no conspiracy here, and I love conspiracies. This is simply... The court of law, it's confidential, and uh, everybody's kind of got their hands up saying, well, we'll address it when it needs to be addressed. So I think he may still get suspended for the Rose Bowl. Time will tell. All right, fan questions, Aaron. Fan questions. We tweeted out yesterday, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Murray 11 I am at Drew Butler 13 We want to know what you guys want to know. So here we go. First question from Spence Dog 118 he says Kirby is clearly enjoying a second-year bump. What will next year look like, and this is this level of success sustainable? I'll hit it here first. This year is 
has been great for Georgia. Is this level of success sustainable? I think it is, and it all falls back to recruiting. If this dude can continue to bring in four and five stars, this could be the new norm at Georgia, especially, especially with how bad the SEC East is. Yeah, I completely agree. I was going to jump on that second point of yours, and and you just want to look at the SEC East right now. And and South Carolina had a decent year. Obviously, Florida with a huge hire with Dan Mullen, getting him in there to kind of try to rebuild that program from uh, what's going on in the weight room to what's going on in the football field. Uh, so he's going to turn that program around. If he can turn around a year, I don't know. I think it might take him another two or three years, maybe recruit the quarterback that he will fit his system the best. I think once he gets that guy in that next, that next recruiting class, then he can start trying to put the pieces around there and he'll be fine. Uh, obviously Tennessee, they have a lot of rebuilding to do and everyone else really does too in the SECE. So right now, just based on the fact that it is such a downside of the SEC, uh, gives Georgia a huge advantage. And then you want to look at the way they've been recruiting. Uh, they're recruiting big kids, big size, especially off on the offensive side of the football. And they want to build that, that Alabama mentality where they're just going to continue to wear you out. And then by the time the fourth quarter comes, you're just so tired. You're so beat up from getting the, from running the ball 40, 50 times with those big 320 pounders, just knocking you around. You're just going to give up pretty much. So he's done a great job. I think, Georgia will continue to be pushing the envelope each and every year. Uh, and I think he'll do a great job of really keeping these big time recruits in the state of Georgia. Next question is from racing Ram. How do you guys watch a game differently from someone who's never played? That's a good question. Interesting question. I, I have a tough time watching. And the fact of like tr being a true fan, cause I'm always looking at coverages. Yeah. I'm looking at formations. I'm not just looking like, okay, what's the play? You know, I'm so wired just from my playing days and obviously now being on TV and calling games where I just I try to see the whole picture from safeties For to sure. where the running backs lined up to where the receivers are possibly lined up to trying to anticipate certain plays, certain blitzes. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm usually very quiet during the game. People are always yelling, yeah, and screaming yeah, and big brains one thing. Big brain is trying to work as much as I can, as it can handle, Don't which is yourself. not a lot. So Don't hurt yourself. It's not a lot, so that's why I got to stay uber focused. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think I get really into situational football. You know, two minute, four minute, fourth downs. What's going to happen? You know, end of half, end of game scenarios. I get really caught up in that stuff because that's what we practice so much. Um, when I was in the NFL and in college football, situational football is a huge part of special teams, and obviously, I can break down special teams pretty well also so i guess that's how i would be different here's a good question from your diddy kpn at your diddy did mark rick ever use profanity in practice or a game i can say yes coach rick did i have a good story about coach rick he once kicked me out of a mat drill because i was chewing gum and he cussed at me because of it and then he gave me morning runs so coach rick people don't forget i was doing my morning runs i slipped and i had to get stitches on my shin that's your fault, Coach Rick. I think I could probably count it on one hand how many times I heard him cuss. Really? So it was very rare. And I can tell I, you this, I, he's not a good he never, cusser. He never cussed at me. No, he's not. He, not a good he, cusser. He holds it in as long as he can, and then it'll just come out. And instead yes. of just, it's not natural. It doesn't sound great. It's kind of like when my mom might slip up. You're just like, what? What'd yeah. you say there? It just, it doesn't flow. So uh, it's a good and bad thing. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not one to kind of sit you down and, and just cuss dog cuss you out. No, there's a, our coach too, special teams coach. And he was a former tight ends coach at Georgia, John Lilly, who was awesome. 
he didn't cuss often, but when he did, he did it well, and it was like, like you you knew he was disappointed in you, and that's that was the worst thing. You're like, oh shit, like I just really dropped the ball. I let him down. So that's almost good. If you're not going to cuss, and then you decide to do so, bring the heat. Let me have it. Would you agree with me, Aaron? Yeah, I think I was just so immune to the whole thing because Bobo would oh, use God. the f word every other word. Yeah. So. I just, it was, I'm just numb to it at this point in my life. And then I get to the NFL and I don't know what you dealt with, with NFL coaches, but really no cussing, no yelling, oh, no screaming. Bruce Arians. I mean, that uh, besides dude, Bruce, cut, Bruce is probably with maybe yeah. the best of them I've ever heard. He's very creative. So yeah, very shout cool. out to him with the vocabulary. All right. Last question before we wrap up this quick hitter of the punt and pass podcast. This one comes from Noah Portnoy at N Portnoy 12. Good friend of the program. He says, realizing the dogs' offense may have to carry them against Oklahoma, does Georgia's offensive game plan change any, knowing they may have to score 35-plus? I say no, Aaron. I see you're shaking your head. I'm in the same boat as you. This team is good. They do not need to switch up a lot of stuff if they want to hang a big number on Oklahoma, which the line's moving. Georgia's a a two-and-a-half-point favorite now. They were a a two-and-a-half-point dog. So people in the know are suggesting that this matchup favors the Bulldogs. Yeah, I agree. You're not going to change your game plan right now. Your best, your best defense is your offense. Stay on the field. Oklahoma has shown that they have not been able to stop the run or really stop anyone defensively this entire season, but especially the run. And they've yet to see this type of offense. That's going to line up in the I formation. That's going to pound you. That's going to wear you out. And then not only is it going to frustrate the defense, but that's going to frustrate the offense because they're going to get fewer possessions, less time on the field than what they're used to. They're used to on the field for five or like two, three minutes, score a touchdown. The other team gets on the field. Either they're going three and out or they're scoring a touchdown in two or three minutes as well. They're not used to dealing with an offense that may take five, six, seven minutes to methodically move the football down the football, down the field. So huge advantage for Georgia. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as high a scoring game as most people think just because of that. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma's going to be able to match up with them up front. All right, we got a bunch of other questions, but we're going to touch on those on Wednesday, okay? We're going to record one more episode of Punt and Pass and then take a little break for Christmas. Obviously, fire it right back up in time for the New Year's Six bowl games, which, of course, feature the college football playoffs. So we'll be back. We'll be doing that. We're going to wrap up with some early signing day stuff, too, on Wednesday, but that'll be fun, and then we're going to take it on in to the holidays anything on the way out there big Aaron no man just uh, getting ready all these bowl games are fun to watch it's fun to see all these different matchups from you know two two completely different conferences uh, which makes it hard to really predict who's going to win these games but it, it just it is fun to see many teams have never played each other ever before going at it having some fun uh, and then obviously Christmas coming around the corner so always pretty pumped for that one no dude th- no doubt excuse me thanks for it Everybody tuning in. He's Aaron. I'm Drew. Check back on Thursday morning for another fresh episode of the Punt and Pass podcast. See you.